excited to open up the Word of God with you this morning. And um, last week, well, let me just say, what we're in the midst of right now is uh, a series on uh, the essentials of the church, who we, who we are as a church, what we do, and then as a result, what you as an individual Christian, as a part of this church, should be about. And so if you walked in, you saw the words know, grow, and go on the wall, uh, namely that it is our mission to see you know Christ, that you would know God, that you would grow in your intimacy, your knowledge, your love of him, and then you would go and tell others about him and then bring them along in the journey. That's the process of discipleship. And last week we talked about go meaning go share your faith, go um, invite others along on the journey of following Jesus with you. And so if anybody took that to heart last week, um, now somebody has, has come and, and maybe you're here for the first time today and uh, we've come to the, the fourth essential and it's give. Now, the irony should not be lost on anybody. That if somebody went out and obeyed the, the call to go and, and bring somebody in, and then the first thing they're going to hear about is money. Oh, how terrible. That should, that's a nightmare, right? Why would we plan it like that? Well, actually, it's not a nightmare. The reality is it's perfect. Because is there anything that, that gets to the heart more in our culture today than money? Is, it, is there anything that kind of gets the conscious and, and really gets to the heart of the matter more than our finances? Right? It, it really, uh, is there anything that reveals our need for a Savior um, more than our, uh, than, than our struggle with money in this world? Right? And so in reality, even though you would say, oh, what a, what a horrible Sunday for the first time when, when we're talking about giving, but in reality, it, it's actually a perfect time. And, and, and I want to assure you that, that anytime we gather, no matter what the text, no matter what the topic, we are going to get to the heart of the matter, and that is the gospel. And that's what Jesus has done to save sinners through his life, death, and resurrection. That's what it's all about, even if we're talking about money, even if we're talking about finances. Ultimately, it's about the heart, and it's always about what Jesus has done. And money talks, doesn't it? Have you heard that phrase? That's a common uh, saying in, in, our, in our culture. Um, now, I didn't know this, but you can look up common idioms on the, in the dictionary. Uh, so in dictionary.com, if you look up money talks, here's what it says. Quote, wealth has great influence. That's what money talks means. Wealth has great influence. Or in the Cambridge Dictionary, the entry for money talks says, quote, said about people or organizations that are rich and then can therefore get or do what they want. End quote. Money talks. Money talks. And this is certainly true in this world, isn't it? It wouldn't be a cliche if there wasn't um, truth behind it. We can look around and we can see um, how those with money are seen as the primary influencers. Right, they're the, the, the ones with money are the ones that get the, the good spots at the fundraising dinner uh, at, at the nonprofits, right? They're the ones that we, we sort of look to like, oh, what, what are they going to do? They, they, they're the ones that we, that we really look to, the people with money, because money talks. You know, the biggest donors get the best seats, etc. Much of the political world is fueled by um, these people called lobbyists, right? Where these companies have people that will go to the government to let their money talk. 
to try and get their way to say, look what, look what we've got, look at the money we've got, now do what we want you to do. Because money talks. It's just true in our world, in our society, in our culture. Money talks in the world, no doubt. It's the world we live in. But what about in the kingdom of God? What about when it comes to here, within the, the local church, um, in, in the church across the, the globe right now? What about in the kingdom of God? What, is, what does money say? Does money still talk? What about for those who have Jesus as king? According to the Bible, uh, money does talk still. And from a biblical worldview within the kingdom of God, money still does talk. It just says different things. Matthew 6.21, Jesus says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus goes on in Matthew 6.24, You cannot serve God and money. In order to be qualified to be an overseer, or a pastor, or a leader in the church, Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.3, 3, You must not be a lover of money. 1 Timothy 6.10, Paul warns us that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And the author of Hebrews gives us one more warning. Keep your life free from the love of money. So you see, money speaks a different word in the kingdom of God. Money speaks uh, uh, differently. Money reveals our hearts, reveals what's really going on. Money, probably more than anything else in this world, can, can reveal the, the state of our heart. You've heard the saying, show me your bank statement and I'll show your pri you, you your priorities. I think there's some truth to that, right? If you, if you looked at where you've spent your money, it, it will reveal the priorities in your life. Talking through this passage in the sermon with Pastor Jarrett this week, he said something, he joked. He said, if you look at his bank account, you're going to see two priorities, Tex-Mex and the kingdom of God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that is, um, there's, there's some truth behind that. Um, but what our, our text is going to teach us today is that Jesus wants a generous heart. Jesus wants a generous heart. He wants you and I, if you are a disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you claim to be a Christian, uh, he wants you to have a generous heart. Now let's look at our text. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12 today. And uh, primarily we're going to look at 41 through 44, but I want to go back up to verse 38 to, to get a little bit more of the context. Now look at, look, let's look at this together. And uh, what we're going to see is that Jesus wants a generous heart. Again, we're talking about money, but really what we're talking about is the heart. Verse 38, and in his teaching, this is Jesus speaking and he's at the temple. And in his teaching, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greeting in the marketplaces. And have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. Who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury. Again, this is at the temple. And watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came. And put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, 
Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the word of God to us this morning. And Jesus is making clear the um, contrast between the scribes who know that money talks. Right, the same was, was true back then. They, they liked to preen around in their long robes. Right? They wanted to look really good. They knew what they were doing. They had the best seats in the synagogues. They knew what, that, that money talked. They knew they wanted to look a certain way. They liked to see other people admiring them, watching them. They wanted to look good on the outside without having a, a heart changed by Jesus. Right? They'll gladly take that top donor spot at the gala. And I think for you and I, we, we are all tempted at different times to, to do this. Like we want all the benefits of a relationship with God without actually having to have our hearts changed. Don't, don't we all sort of, we, we want to we look good from the outside, but sometimes we don't really want to have to do the heart work and allow God to do the, the heart surgery that we need in order to be changed. We would rather just look good from the outside, make sure everybody thinks we've got it going on, and, uh, and just leave it at that. Right? We would rather check boxes, like, all right, I gave this week, I read my Bible couple days this week. I prayed a little bit this week. We would rather look good from the outside and see that other people are seeing us rather than have a heart transformed by Jesus, which is actually what we need. We don't need to just look good on the outside. We need to have a heart transformed by Christ. See, the scribes and the Pharisees, they had it, they had it wrong. They had it flipped. They had it upside down. The other group, um, the other people in the story, is, uh, is the widow, of course. And you can, uh, we, need to get the, we need to get the picture of, of what's happening here. Jesus, um, after observing the scribes and seeing, look at, look at them, uh, basically don't be like them. And then he goes and uh, get, the, get the context. It's at the temple. So this is massive structure. And uh, there would have been hundreds and hundreds of people because it was the Passover, time of the Passover. And so the, the Jewish people, the people of God, would have been coming to, to worship. They would have all been coming. There would have been hundreds of people that would have all been coming up at around the same time to give. And there would have been 13 boxes spread out in the offering area, 13 boxes. And they all would have had an opening uh, that looked sort of like a trumpet, you know, like, the, like how it kind of goes out like a bowl. And so it would almost like slide, you know, you could put in your, your coins and they would slide in and they would make a big noise whenever they were, whenever they were, they were crashing uh, to, to the bottom of the box. And so all these hundreds of people, they're coming to worship. They're all, they're all coming and... Uh, and Jesus, he goes and he sits down on the opposite side of the wall and he sits and he's just watching. He's just watching. Jesus is, is people watching. Anybody like people watching? They're just, just sitting down watching people. Let me tell you, you have not people watched until you've been to the Walmart closest to my hometown. Let me tell you, okay? Anyway, Jesus is, is just watching. He's just observing. He's watching the people. Try and get the picture. It's super crowded because of the Passover. Hundreds of people are coming to worship. There would have been 13 of these offering boxes that people could have come and given. And, um, they, they, you know, there would have been people that come in with their massive bags and, 
You know, everybody would have been able to see them carrying their big bags of money and then dumping it in there, making a big scene, right? It would have been the opportunity for people to go, ooh, ah, look at how much, look at how much they brought. Look at how much they brought. And it was an opportunity for people to see them from the outside, but it didn't really reflect their heart. Right? It, would have been some, it would have been like somebody walking in today with one of those giant checks. You know what I'm saying? One of those massive checks that you give away. That would have been like what, what this would have looked like. If somebody walked in with that today, you're like, okay, come, like, come on. You, know, you can see all the numbers on it. You can see exactly what they're giving. It would have been ridiculous. Um, and that's what is happening here. Jesus is, is watching the situation. He's watching. Then he sees a poor widow come put in two small copper coins. And if you have an ESV Bible, you can see in the footnote that it, it tells you that what she put in was one sixty-fourth of a day's wages. One sixty-fourth of a day's wages. So whatever somebody worked a whole day for, she put in one sixty-fourth of that amount. Okay? So, for example, if you work an eight-hour day, 40 hours a week, like a, a wage job, this would have been seven and a half minutes worth of your work. That's what she, that's what she put in. Just not, not even 10 minutes worth of your day's work is what she put in. And again, Jesus is standing against the wall and he's watching. That's the first point I, I want to make from, from verse 41 is, is Jesus is watching. Jesus is, is watching. See verse 41. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting in money into the offering box. Jesus is, is watching. Now, is he physically going to be standing against the wall watching the, the boxes on, on your way out? Is he, is he physically standing over your shoulder when you get out your wallet or when you open up the push pay app or go to championforce.org slash give? Is he actually like looking over your shoulder? No. Not physically. But he is spiritually present. And this is a reality that we all need to, to, to get our heads around, that all of life is lived before the face of God. Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. David says in Psalm 139, where shall I flee from your presence? There is, there is nowhere that the Spirit of God is not. All of life is lived before the face of God. So in that sense, Jesus is watching. He is watching still and there is no hiding from him. And not only does he um, see you, not only is he watching, he not only sees, but he knows you. He knows your heart. And Jesus is after a generous heart. That's what he wants. He doesn't want outward conformity. He wants your heart to be changed. He sees your faithfulness as you give or your lack thereof because he knows the intention of the heart. Jesus is watching. He knows and he sees. Would your giving look different if you could physically see Jesus watching you? When the reality is it's no different because he, is, he does see. Still, he is spiritually present amongst his people. I don't say that to intimidate at all because remember, it's all about the heart. Jesus is after a generous heart, not outward conformity. And this brings us to our next observation from verse 42. Jesus doesn't care who you are. <laughs> Jesus doesn't care who you are. Now, don't mishear me. He, he loves you, cares for you, but in this context of, of giving, of, of worshiping God, he doesn't care who you are. Meaning, do you have a lot of money? Are you rich? Are you famous? Great. Come on. Do you have no social status in the world? 
Are you without a job? Are you poor according to the world's standards? Great. It doesn't matter who you are. When we gather together for worship, to to bring it to today, when we gather together in worship, it doesn't matter who you are. There's no, uh, there's no, like class A Christians, right? We are all following Jesus together. It doesn't matter who you are. Jesus wants your heart. It doesn't matter your social standing, your job status, it doesn't matter. Your income, your bank account currently as we sit, it doesn't matter. Jesus is after your heart. And Jesus wants a generous heart. And again, this is, this is Jesus flipping the conventional wisdom of the world on its head. This is Jesus taking the idea that money talks like you and I know today, and he's turning it upside down. It's as if Jesus is saying, yes, money, money talks in a way, but not in the way that you think. It's not about a person's job status or what they look like or who they are. It's about the posture of their heart. If Elon Musk teleported in here, whatever invention he's made recently and dropped in a hundred million dollars into that box, would it matter to Jesus? I would be pumped, personally. <laughs> but but would, it, would it matter to Jesus? Well, it depends. What was the, what was the posture of his heart? What, what was the, the, what's the posture of the heart of the giver? That's what matters to Jesus. Which then brings us to the the last point of verses 43 and 44. Let me put it this way. Jesus cares about the heart of the giver, not the amount of the gift. Jesus cares about the heart of the giver, not the amount of the gift. And you see this in verses 43 and 44. He called his disciples to him after seeing the widow put in her two shavings of a penny. And he says, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. They all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, how is it um, that the widow who puts in two shavings of a copper coin, that's what it was, a lepta, you can see it in the ESV footnote, it talks about that. Um, How can Jesus reckon that the widow has put in more than everybody else. Like, in what world um, is two shavings of a copper coin more than these other people who have come and dumped in their big sums? There is no reality in which that is more than anybody else. Except to Jesus it is. In, in In the kingdom of God, when it comes to our giving of our finances... The heart of the giver is everything above the amount of the gift. It's not about the amount of the gift. It's about the heart of the giver. Jesus reckons that the widow has put in more than all those others. It's about the heart of the giver. And giving is an act of worship. In the Old Testament, there was a concept of the tithe, or, uh, which means a tenth. You've probably heard that idea. But in the New Testament, the, the standard of giving is generosity. That's it. And that's what we see here. It's about sacrificial generosity. There's not like a set amount. It doesn't, there's no prescription in the New Testament. It's just generosity. It's having a generous heart. That's what Jesus is after. So again, it's not about the heart. I mean, it's not about the gift, but the heart of the giver. Because the widow 
out of her poverty gave more when everybody else is giving out of their abundance. The people giving out of their abundance, it wasn't sacrificial in any way. They didn't feel it when they dropped it off. They might have liked looking, you know, they might have liked other people watching them drop it in the box and knowing that they were giving a large sum, but in reality, it didn't, didn't matter to Jesus. The widow put in more. So it's not about the amount of the gift, but the heart of the giver, except that you really can't separate the two, can you? Because whatever the amount of the gift is, does reveal the heart of the giver. Now, only to Christ, uh, but you cannot separate the two. And and that's really what, what this is about, is that the amount of the gift actually does in some way reveal the heart of the giver, but that's only between the individual and God about how that would be worked out. One commentator said, God does not want our money, he wants us. Yet, we cannot give ourselves to him apart from our money. (laughs) And that's it. That's where we've come to the the crux here of whether, um, you know, there's sometimes a distinction between Jesus being Savior and Jesus being Lord. There's really no difference. But but oftentimes, the, the last kind of area of our lives where we will allow Jesus to be Lord, meaning he's king, meaning we give everything to him, is the area of our finances. And again, this is getting at this reality that, that money it reveals our heart more than anything else in our lives. God wants us, but he can't have us without our money also. So you cannot um, neatly separate the two things. Because money talks. It speaks and reveals where our hearts are before God. And God desires our whole heart And a major aspect of that is our finances. And there's just no way of separating the two things. Now this text, it speaks to two different groups of people. And you may find yourself in one or the other. And you may switch from one group to the other throughout your life. I'm sure everybody in here has some sort of testimony around those things. One group are those who do not have a lot of money. Maybe you're poor. Maybe you don't. Uh, feel like you have much to give. Maybe your uh, job has been lost in the current situation and circumstances, or you've been uh, taken, um, your finances aren't what they were uh, a year ago today. Maybe, Maybe you're in that group feeling like you don't have much to give. In this sense, this story teaches that your small amount, whatever it is, your small sacrificial amount can produce a ton of fruit can produce a ton of fruit. I mean, that's what this is teaching. It's encouraging. Christian, if if you're in here and you're thinking, I don't don't have much to give, amen. Give what you do have to give and the Lord is going to multiply that a millionfold because he's after a generous heart. It's not about the amount, but about um, the, the heart of the giver that Jesus is pleased to multiply for the kingdom of God to flourish. Be encouraged if you don't have a lot of money that the Lord is pleased with your gift because of your generous heart behind it. And the Lord will use it to further his kingdom. I mean, think about all of all, everything that has happened throughout church history um, that has been funded by people giving a, a widow's mite offering. I mean, if, if we could add it all up, all of the little tiny gifts over the last 2,000 plus years of church history, think about 
all of that money that has been given to further the kingdom of God within the context of the local church. It's really unbelievable. So in that sense, um, you could be encouraged if you don't have much to give because Jesus is pleased with your offering because it is generous and sacrificial in, in only the way that it can be for you. And the other group um, that, that we see here are those who are giving, uh, but giving out of your abundance. Right? And again, this is, this is clear uh, in the text that there are two groups. You know, the, the widow put in more than those who were giving, technically more, because uh, they were giving out of their abundance. And this story is clearly teaching that it, it's not just enough to give more than somebody else. Right? It's not enough to, to have an extra zero uh, 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 in comparison to somebody else's gift. That doesn't, um, that doesn't do it. It's, your gift is less valuable, actually, in the sight of God than the poor person who has nothing to give but still gives a penny. And again, on the one hand, this is incredibly encouraging for those who don't have much to give what you do have to give sacrificially and the Lord will bless it. But on the other hand, it's challenging for those who um, have been given much to be challenged then to reflect the heart of Jesus in generosity. So it's a challenge yet an encouraging word for, for both groups in the room today because Jesus wants a generous heart. Jesus wants a generous heart. And we're only going to have a generous heart if we have been given a new heart in Christ. And again, this is getting back to the, the, the crux of the issue. What, what we really need is the gospel. What we really need is for Jesus to give us a new heart. Because apart from that, we can do nothing. Right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? We are all, um, by nature, separated from God's sinners. We are all um, in our own selves, naturally, without Christ, we're all like the scribes and Pharisees that want to look good, but don't really want to have our hearts changed. And our greatest need this morning is to have our hearts changed by Jesus, right? And that's for all of us. That's for all of us. The heart of God is generous, not stingy, right? Natalie got us ready for this reality earlier, but you know the verse that for God so loved the world that he gave, the heart of God is a giver. He, he is a giver. He is a generous giver, not stingy. He did not withhold the greatest gift to you and I, the gift of his son. Right? He did not withhold that from us. He, he gave and continues to give of himself freely. So whenever you give sacrificially and give generously of your money, yes, but of your time and your uh, talents, time, talents, treasure, that's the Baptist way of saying it, um, when you give of, of those things, you are reflecting the heart of God because the heart of God is generous. Father is not stingy. The Father is not like the scribes and the Pharisees who give just in order to be seen by others. He gives generously and he demonstrated that by the giving of his son. Ultimately, in his death, life, death, and resurrection and ascension on the cross. That's what it's all about. And this is why Jesus wants a generous heart out of you and I, his followers today. Because it um, reveals and shows the heart of God. If you and I are a generous people, we are reflecting the heart of our God. If you and I are a generous people, 
People can, can look from the outside and, and look in and see something is different about these people. They're, they're generous. They, they, are, they are givers and it's because it reflects the heart of our God. This is why Jesus wants a generous heart. And he commends the, the widow as an example to follow. Because it reflects the heart of God. When we give our money generously, we reflect who our God is. Last thing I want to say is this, and uh, Charlie's going to come back up and, and the band in, in just a second, and we're going to respond in worship like we uh, normally do. But it's natural for us to think, well, what am I giving to? You, you know, if I'm, if I'm supposed to give uh, financially, I'm supposed to give money, um, what, what exactly am I giving to? And let me say, uh, if you're new, it's one of your first times, really what we're aimed at when we're talking about giving, we're talking about uh, our, our family, our members, the people that call Jamie Force Conroe home. Um, this is really who we're talking to. But, but um, if you're new or, or not a part of Jamie Force, welcome to, the, welcome to our, our family gathering. We're excited to have you. But really, um, we're, we're talking about um, those who would, who would call this place home. If you are going to give um, the way that the New Testament calls you to give, what, what are you giving your money to? It's natural for us to ask that question. And, and um, when you, to, to put it as simply as possible, when you, when you give to the church, when you, when you give here in the generosity boxes or on your phone or however you do it, when you give, you are giving to the cause of the Great Commission. The cause of the Great Commission. That is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all Jesus commanded. When you give, that's what you're giving to. When you give, you're giving to see people like Robert and David who, who joined the church this morning that said, we want to we wanna come and, and we want to be a part of what God is doing here. We want to follow Jesus with you. We want to help you um, follow Jesus together. When you give, you're giving to that. When you give, you're going to see people like Elijah who's going to get baptized soon and make a public profession of faith. When you give, that, that's what you're giving to. Seeing people come to know the Lord, grow in their relationship with him and then go and tell others and then bring others along in the journey. It's the process of discipleship. When you give, that's what you're giving to. To see the word of God proclaimed, see people raised up, come to know the Lord. Put, put simply, that's what you're giving to. Seeing disciples who make disciples. And in order for us here at Chambie Forest Conroe to be a healthy, growing congregation, we need more people with widow-like hearts to, to give generously to see the work of the kingdom go on. And again, it's not about the amount of the gift, but it's about the heart of the giver. We need, we need, um, we need people whose hearts have been transformed by Jesus who have truly grasped the, the weight of their own sin and the, the preciousness of the gift of Jesus. And therefore, as a result of having their lives changed, would, would give generously. That's what we need um, here today. And that's what we need until kingdom come. People with generous, widow-like hearts that will give sacrificially to see the work of the kingdom go on and will commit to be a disciple who makes disciples. Because the local church, for us to continue, um, this is God's plan A for seeing his kingdom spread. Can you believe that? You and I, 
this gathering right now, we, we, are, we are God's plan A in seeing people come to know him, grow and go and tell others. That's amazing. What a, what a privilege we have to be God's plan A, to see his glory spread across the earth. What a gift. Let's be a generous people, church, because that's what Jesus is after. And again, you may have heard this uh, talked about in the idea of um, your time, your talent, and your treasure. Today, we've talked about the treasure. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about serving. So we'll, we'll talk about the giving of our time and our talents as well next week to, to wrap out our five-week essential series. Um, and that's what we'll talk about. But this morning, um, we're going to respond in worship and um, like, like we do, we're going to have some, some prayer partners come down. And uh, if you have heard what we're talking about, you know, you're like, I don't think I've ever had my heart transformed by Jesus. I think that I have always, my whole life, I, I've just wanted to look good, but I've never actually wanted uh, my heart to be changed. If that's, if that's you, if you've feel that conviction, I would ask you to to come forward and and pray with and and talk with one of our encouragers. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by what you heard today. If you'd like more information about Champion Forest Baptist Church, our service times, or how you can get connected, visit us at championforest.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day and God bless.